0: This is The Last Mile, powered by Segway. Join the people of Segway as we discuss industry trends in our vision of the future of transportation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Last Mile, a Segway podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of The Last Mile. Make sure that you are subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want upcoming episodes and the full catalog of previous episodes. Uh, I'll also point you in the direction of poweredby.segway.com for more information on Segway's B2B micro mobility solutions, which we will be getting into today. Uh, but yeah, make sure you're subscribing both on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and checking out our website for more information on our services and solutions. So on the show, we often get to talk to the one and only Tony Ho, Vice President of Global Business Development for Segway, who shares his future-focused insights on mobility big and small, personal and public, and how Segway is putting in the work to assist towards that shared vision. So today, we have the pleasure of sitting back down with Tony. This time, we're talking micromobility, and more specifically, how innovation in robotics is taking micromobility to more economical and efficient places. So once again, I'm pleased to welcome the one and only Tony Ho, VP of Global Business Development for Segway. Tony, great to have you on. How are you doing? Hey, uh, Daniel. Good seeing you again. I'll be talking to you again. Yes, great to be chatting again. It's been a little while since our last conversation, uh, but I'm looking forward to getting your thoughts on another important topic, uh, which not only impacts Segway specifically, but the entire uh, transit economy and transportation industry. Uh, I want to just start off light to catch up here real quick. What's been on your plate since we last spoke? It's been several months at least. Uh, What's been keeping Segway busy during COVID? yeah i think that's a
1: ongoing topic for the past uh six months almost life has been actually tough for everybody right so uh, starting from in the very beginning we call this uh, a a supply supplier shock because uh, all the micro mobility device or uh, products are made in china uh, so everybody was worried that the pandemic will cause the, the shortage in supply. Uh, but it turned out the, the supplier uh, scare wasn't too long and, uh, until everybody everybody start to shutting down and everything so it became a, a demand shock. Uh, so, so we had a pretty scary uh, first three months and uh, interesting enough on coming out of almost uh, especially in Europe coming out of the, the tail end of the pandemic crisis, uh and uh and in the u s we see start some reopening uh and we actually see a, a quick comeback of the micro mobility industry and in some places uh we actually see the whole the boom and also the huge growth uh in the industry where public transportation was not favored uh in fear of the the pandemic. Uh, so people will start to choose uh, personal micro-mobility device, e-bikes and kick scooters and, and all the personal uh, tools, maybe including walking, right? So you see a demand actually coming back very, very quickly. So we have been extremely busy for the past three or four months, and so, so which is sort of almost like a blessing in disguise in, in our case.
0: Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think a a lot of industries and companies have been trying to find that silver lining. You know, I I think some of the work that we're going to be unpacking today is potentially a, a silver lining for the entire micromobility industry. So I'm excited to jump into it. Let's go ahead and start talking micromobility. And AI Robotics. I want to first start by better understanding where robotics AI technology is at today, tracking a little bit of that progression before we get into its application in the mobility and micromobility industry. So could you give us some context on how robotics AI has improved in the last few years and what has made it more accessible to the micromobility industry? Overall, the robotics
1: or AI-related technology had made huge advance investment in in terms of the computing power and also the smartness, right? The the ability to to do uh, machine learning and quick learning, and also the accuracy of uh, all these pattern recognitions uh, or, or visual navigations, and all the technology has advanced so much in the past maybe four or five years, and so that's one. Uh, genre, if you will, is the sort of the the computing power or the the, the intelligence itself is advancing, and also getting cheaper and cheaper o- over time. Uh, and the other thing about this is that uh, you see mic- in micro mobility, the need or the demand for some sort of uh, automation uh, also uh, provide the impetus for this whole uh, growth of uh, or interest in this whole AI technology. In general, I think we see uh, sort of convergence, uh, both from the sort of the, the capability point of view, uh, the, the machine capability point of view, and also the price affordability point of view. And they will become more and more uh, prevalent in this, uh, after 2020, especially after the pandemic age, that we'll see uh, potentially uh, even a bigger growth uh, in the application of AI in the, uh, the micromobility space. So it's actually a really good time right now to to be in this space.
0: So why now versus earlier or later are robotics AI being brought to micromobility tech? Are there specific needs that need to be met for micromobility today that robotics AI can solve that other applications can't? What's the uh, tracking timeline there? Yeah, I think uh, you're probably uh,
1: aware that uh, about almost three years ago now right so the micro mobility movement uh just w- just got started uh essentially there's really no not much technology in there other than the the scooters themselves with battery pack and drives and motors and tires and that's it you you gotta kick scooters on uh, and, and also probably the most advancement that time was sort of the the iot unit that has a gps control and it talks to the the, the server or cloud, and made it a sort of the smart electric scooters. So that was sort of the most high-tech part of this. But very quickly, people start to realize that, you know, it's a great tool to have, a great transportation mode to have. Uh, but it also creates a lot of problems for the cities and, and a lot of the, uh, uh, the operators having a lot of headaches in terms of rebalancing the scooter load. And, and also, they create some issues when they topple over, they, they litter on the street. Uh, and it creates a lot of headaches. So as a result, the uh, scooter operators start to pile money, throw money at the problem um, by hiring a lot of people. uh, And in terms of charging the scooters, they actually have all these contractors, right? So in the early days, the lime juicers and, and bird hunters and they, they, have the main day job now, or maybe night job, is actually go out and, and, and get scooters and get paid by by these scooter startup companies. And they made really really good money, right? And and the flip side of that, of course, is the operating costs for all these companies are very very high. Uh, so after the sort of the the tide receded, uh, after sort of the venture capital money uh, dried up, and also uh, people become a lot more cautious, and they start to look at their bottom lines and looking at the sustainability of their business model. And there's a lot of people done analysis, either third party or internally in the company, did a lot of homework, right? And it turns out to be the unit economics of these scooter sharing businesses is not quite there, especially when it comes to operating fleets. And, uh, and, and this sort of almost like manual labor work, right? So they have it almost become a gig economy, part of the gig economy where people will drive around and pick up scooters on the street and, and go charge them and bring them back to on the street. Um, and that's actually very, very costly. So that begs a question that, you know, we're in the age of uh, AI and robotics, right? Can AI and robotics, robotics help to bring the cost of operating fleets down? And uh, the answer is actually quite, quite simple, it's, it's really, yes, it's actually quite simple. And if, if you look at uh, even just the, the scooter itself, it has very rudimentary uh, smarts in, in the kick scooters. And so you just need to have, you just need to build smarts in this kick scooter to make it m- more aware of the situation that you make them more connected to the cloud and then more uh, more sensors to, to help them navigate itself. And so so we actually have uh, a, a pretty big team, even two or three years ago, we have a team charged to glint, look into this issue, how we reduce the operating costs of scooter sharing business significantly. So one of the things we find is that, you know, you can actually see, you can see a lot of the technology can be used from, let's say, autonomous vehicles, uh, delivery bots, and we have done a lot of the similar work in our other uh, a department of the same company in Segway, and there's a lot of technology can be borrowed and used uh, in kick scooters. And that time, we find it very interesting that the biggest barrier to implementing the robotics actually is not the robotics or AI itself. It's actually the scooter doesn't balance itself, right? So so if if the scooters were to drive themselves as a robot, you, you need to have almost like a Segway, the traditional Segway, self-balancing Segway. Uh, to drive itself around so we actually find a very simple solution to this problem instead of creating a, a second self-balancing segway we just add a third wheel to that <laughs> so literally a third wheel uh, so the three-wheel uh, scooters essentially will balance on on own three wheels it will not have the same issue as the two wheels and it appeared to be safer to ride for a lot of the people because you step on them, you will not, you will not topple, right so it 's a lot more stable, it's more user-friendly for the senior people and maybe even uh, slightly uh, uh, handicapped people. You, three wheels are much less intimidating and, and almost no learning curve, and compared to kick scooters, you know it, 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 you feel much safer when you ride them. So, so we find the three-wheelers combined with uh, robotics features and and the vision sensors, the you know the uh, autonomous driving computing power and everything, and allow us to make this. Uh, we call them robo scooters, right? Uh, giving a funny name to to it, and and so so they can essentially drive itself at a very short distance by. Uh, for the operator, uh, you can just look at the screen and it, and it, you just pick. A point and, and pick and click on the screen and tell the robot robot to go to the next stop, and uh, the robot will drive itself to the next waypoint. And so, so from an operator point of view or from the the staff point of view, uh, you don't have to drive around hunt for scooters anymore. You just sit back in the control room. Uh, you can you can overlook uh, perhaps five or six scooters at the same time, and we just reposition them where where you want to go and you just click on the screen and they will just go to the next stop and they will avoid people and and when when they run into uh when they see people coming they will kind of walk around them and if the people come out you know behind the trees too sudden the scooter will stop itself right wait until it pass. and they're still under 100 percent control by the operators behind the screen so they're actually very safe to to operate so they're not really the so-called uh like the waymo uh cars or tesla cars that can totally drive by self they're they not that yet so in some way they are more like level one type of automation not not to the, sort of the level four level five automation but none, nonetheless they actually solve a very very practical problem hmm. and then the other thing is that because we have our operators in mind we make sure the cost of that is very very affordable so you the saving you generate from the the, the automation can really uh cover the the, the early investment on the robot- robotic scooters and and the way we do this is by we're implementing the latest technology that's commonly used in cell phones so they're not the fancy lidar we see on on waymo uh they are very practical uh sensors um and in some way they are not. Top-notch uh, sensors, precisely because they are much cheaper and much more affordable, and also they can produce in very large quantity and large scales. And that's how we kind of drive the the cost of the robot scooter down significantly. Because we have all the scooter's uh, profitability in mind, and therefore the scooter was built to be a scalable product. Yeah. So, so that's essentially the the, the major thing happening on the on the sort of the micro mobility side. Uh, how we apply the robotic technology to to reduce the operating cost.
0: Now, I know, and and first, thank you so much for that detailed breakdown. The economics of launching uh, micromobility at scale are difficult to... Uh, Perfect. That's for sure. And what you broke down intersects with other major challenges that have been affecting scooter sharing companies for a while. Profitability, sustainability and scale. Can you give us some context on what those challenges look like day to day with COVID as a compounding issue on top of that? And how do these challenges impact the viability of micromobility as an industry?
1: Yeah, interestingly, you mentioned the uh, uh, the pandemic, uh, COVID situation. In the very beginning, we thought COVID was would be bad for everyone, right? But it turned out to be a lot of the operators are already back in business. They're they're starting their business. They find a way to uh, making sure that the scooters are sanitized. They educate the people that they they have proper procedures in place, right? So, uh, in some way. Uh, we see a pretty big recovery uh from where it was and and precisely because you know people are afraid of public transportation now, so it seems like the uh, the use usage uh, are really coming back so so that's one thing, and the other thing is on our side uh we actually see the almost second wave of business model coming up where uh people start to favor more their Retail product. Uh, essentially, they're owning the product, or to some sort of uh, rental uh, or leasing even uh, model, where they have uh, longer procession of the of the product, as opposed to just timeshare or, or sharing the the kick scooters. And so, it's almost like it become a personal, or quasi personal product, and that's the uh, the trend we are, we're we we're seeing. So, in some way, this whole so called completely dockless uh, model uh, is actually kind of morphing as well. So we're actually even seeing some operators doing a hybrid business model, right? So they, you can rent it by day or you can rent it by minutes, right? Um, so, so we see a lot of people trying to adapt um, in, in, the, in sort of the pandemic situation. And then the other thing is that uh, on the uh, worker side, and how do you make sure that the staff are working, in a safe environment and perhaps not even spend too much time moving the, uh, the product around. And also they don't have to do essentially the essential work, work uh, to sort of rebalancing, uh, re- relocate the, the scooters. So there's actually talk about uh, what if we could sanitize the scooters by automatically drive them to a sanitization bay where you have the ultraviolet and, you know, spray and whatnot, right? And by the time you, you drive, drive them through, uh, they will come out clean, so the staff does, doesn't have to handle them. So that could be a very interesting scenario for the robotic scooters. When they are returned to the bay, they, are, they can go automatically return to their own bay and they, to be clean and then they're done with it. And also it will make the rider feel more comfortable, right? Because you tell them, nobody touched this and it's essentially machine machine washed if you will. machine washed and then uh, and the user will feel more comfortable and and the staff has much less contact with all the dirty scooters so that in some way, we, we we never expected that could be a potential application, but it came out, you know, there are actually a request that, you know, can your robot scooter do sanitization? <laughs> so that's that's one thing. Uh, the other possibility is actually people start to talk about uh, using the robot scooters even to do deliveries. And as you know, people don't move as much due to the pandemic, but... Uh, at one point, delivery is really, really uh, 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 in hot demand, um, and, and even today, I still use quite, quite a bit Instacart or uh, Amazon Fresh, right? So for for my own grocery, you probably noticed there's a lot of uh, uh, food delivery company hiring a lot of people do the job, and you know essential workers. And but and one of the things is you know especially in that kind of situation, a robot, a delivery robot seems to be a much better fit right but if you look at the the robot today on the market one is they're still very very expensive uh, two is they're not as uh, efficient yet so some of them move very slow they can only go on the curb right and some of them have doesn't have a big capacity so you can only fit small lunchbox but you can't really fit the whole grocery in them so in some way you still rely on this sort of uh, human delivery And hopefully in hybrid with some sort of robotic delivery. So this robotic scooter is actually really a good fit for this because you can have people ride on them. So that would turn into uh, essentially a scooter, and people can just go around and and do their things. And once they're done, you can return the the robotic scooters back to their bay and charging or maintenance, whatnot. And in some case, if it's not too far away, and you can easily put a basket because these are self. Remember, that's a three-wheel self-balanced kick scooters. So you can easily put some sort of attachment on that and you, you, you put things on them for them to deliver things you you don't think you need delivery. Now you could you could actually use a robot to deliver. And and they are remote controlled and they can also be teleoperated or, or, or autonomously driven. So so, so we see some really interesting application just come out of this pandemic, almost out of necessity, right? So that's something only the robot can do. Uh, a human probably doesn't want to do, or it's not safe to do. And all of a sudden, the robot s- shows it has huge value in this. It's kind of fun to, to see these new use models coming up.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting for the future of the industry, that's for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's exciting to see that COVID isn't putting a hamper on the industry where many people thought it would. Uh, And to some degree, we have seen a decrease in micromobility just across the board uh, in sharing programs because, like you said, people are a little weary about using these devices. But at the same time... Uh, The technology continues to improve, and some of those uh, initial concerns can still be addressed in the future of micromobility, so I... I think the outlook is bright, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. Uh, and a major reason why is because Segway is also working on technology specifically to address the unit economics, which we spoke about earlier, and also just the future of micromobility in general. So I want to end by uh, giving you the floor to speak more concretely on the Segway Robo Scooter, which is your own take on innovative technology to address these issues. So was the originating idea that inspired the Segway Robo Scooter, some of those unit economic issues that we broke down earlier was there another vision for it and then it was found that it would meet these broader needs for the industry what brought it to life basically
1: yeah yeah originally uh it came from the essentially from our customers right so the customer basically have all these issues and so we look at these issues and saying hey what can we do to help our partners to be successful or be profitable? We happen to have a pretty large division that does our own, uh, robotics delivery, uh, business. So we actually have, uh, operations and we actually make product, uh, and we actually made a product called Lumo, which is a Segway with a robot head attached to it. So you can ride them as a Segway and also you can. Use them as a robot that kind of can do certain tasks, so the original capability has always been there and so when when our customer shows some interest in this technology the sort of convergence to convergence or to technology, and we thought immediately that's a that's a opportunity for us and essentially it's as simple as you know engineers from the scooter division uh, had a brainstorming session with the robotics division. And and we come up with some clever mechanism and prototypes first. Right? And we try a different concept and we just made it work. So last uh, July, I think we announced, announced the uh, the scooter. So it's almost like a year. Um, and I, I made a, a demo remote dem, demo where I remote control scooters from Berlin to the so essentially the be- Beijing scooters and, and I telecast the whole thing on the micro mobility conference. So this is sort of October last year. So so after uh, essentially a year, uh, we we finally come to a, a fairly meaningful product. And in fact, um, I, I'd be happy to disclose some information to you is that, uh, we are about to, uh, enter into a, a pilot phase, um, for our robot scooters in the United States, essentially the uh, coming fall time and, uh, and, and with, uh, with one of our partners. Um, so, um, so there's actually a lot of interesting going on. So we are going into sort of real on the road testing. With these robot scooters, and so uh, consider you know, this is only a year ago we introduced the concept. Now we we are about to uh, release this into a, a real life pilot. It's it's a quite a fast paced development, uh, and actually in China in in Beijing uh, we actually have already have two locations uh, we are piloting this. Uh, essentially even earlier like more like alpha test, uh, and they they are on the ground running already with all the robot driving themselves and and pre-planned route and also serving a small community or compound uh, of people more like a enclosed uh, compound and so so the result has been uh, very positive so far people actually look at this it's really really cool so so we'll be uh, very excited to see the pilot on this side of the ocean when that happens definitely i will invite you over to to see the the robot scooter in in operation as well
0: so, how do you see the Segway Robo Scooter addressing some of the challenges of poor unit economics that are currently plaguing the industry? And if you can, can you break down how the AI uh, interfaces with the technology and uh, allows for the semi automated uh, solution to uh, some of the issues of scalability, profitability, and sustainability?
1: There's actually multiple layers of uh, uh, cost-saving or efficiency that's generated by the robot scooters. Um, so at the minimum layer, we, we're almost looking at some of the compliance issues. So for example, a lot of cities actually start to require scooter to be parked properly, right? They cannot left in the middle of the, the sidewalk. Uh, and some of the cities even impose a very stringent laws uh, or, or a very heavy, hefty fine um, people who litter their scooters on the street, and guess what? If if somebody littered the, the scooter on the street, typically it's the operators that get fined, not not the individual. So the operators has some in some city they they only given like an hour to remove the scooters to a uh, proper locations. If not, they get fined four or five hundred dollars. Very very hefty fine. Uh, so even just from sort of that tiny small point of having the scooters have the ability to move out of the way, right, from the center of the street to the sidewalk, uh, to the sort of the, they call it the furniture zones, even just move that a few feet away, that will save operators a lot of money from, particularly from fines, right? <laughs> so so that's that's sort of small, minute point. And then you can start to see about the potential of, you know, when, once the the scooter can be move, moved more efficiently and if much farther distance you start to talk about all kinds of possibilities so so we think about potentially at the end of the day when people uh, drive around or the staff pick up all the scooters you don't have to hunt them anymore you can have the the scooters assemble a certain assembly point right? so instead of you have to go look for some private property go in there and kind of look hunt for the scooters the scooter will come out and go to the corner they belong to so when the truck come by come by to pick up the scooters they're already there waiting for them so they can pick them up at the same time and so so at the same time and a lot of the companies start to using swappable batteries and in this case our robot scooters also swappable batteries so now you could imagine you don't even need to move the scooters and the staff can just drive over and took out the old battery put in the fresh batteries and then you go to the next destination so the efficiency of the the staff can be even more efficient so talking about rebalancing if you were able to uh, move all the scooters uh, automatically to the the subway's entrance right so when people coming out of the subway in the morning to go to work they can just jump out the scooters right away right and and by the time uh, they want to go back you you can also rebalance the scooters uh with essentially the automate automatic features they will put themselves back uh at proper place and proper time so that will increase essentially the utility significantly right on, on the robot scooters and in some way also increase the competitive edge of a company so so essentially you know this business is like you know, you want to put your, place your scooters at the right place at the right time, right? So whoever can do that better than the competitors, that gives you an edge. So that's actually crucial for a lot of the companies. Uh, last but not least, I call them this almost like the holy grail of uh, robot scooters, is that when you can summon the scooters to you, right? When you turn on your, your app, it could be your Uber app or Lime app or Burlap, app, and you can call the scooter to come to you and this is going to be a game changer in a sense that you no longer go look for scooters and the scooter come to look for you and and so from company point of view it's going to be very very uh, uh, competitive compared to your your peer who doesn't have the same technology and two is once you have that the utility rate of the scooters will be significantly increase therefore though you don't really need to carry that many scooters in your inventory because if they're sitting there sitting duck doing nothing it's it's just almost like random right so people come out and they have to be the right place at the right time but if you, if all the scooters become autonomous the utility rate I think there was actually an MIT uh, study came out about a couple of months ago they're talking about by applying the robotic technology autonomous driving features to the uh, scooters they can increase the utility rate by tenfold so when you think about ROI of the scooters. A tenfold increase uh, in utility literally will make the, the payback time you know 10 times shorter. right? So so things like that, I think it's very, very exciting to think about these scenarios that uh, all these scooters now almost become robots themselves, three-wheel robots. It could be a, really a game changer for, for the industry. So whoever have that tool, so have that product, will definitely have a leg up as i mentioned to you before is that we don't operate our own fleet and we don't intend to be so so we're working with some early adopters you know, especially in the operators world and some people who are really leading in charge and we're partnering with all those companies and we will validate essentially the business model and, and the profitability uh, model and we'll probably try out with a few operators first and probably in some cities first. And once that that proved uh, essentially the essentially the value I just mentioned, um, and also worked out some of the bugs and everything, I think we will will be in the face of massively deploying those. Then there's a time probably we'll see there's a robot scooter roaming down the street and going everywhere by themselves. It's a little bit scary, but you know, we might get used to it very soon.
0: Often the uh, the scariest ideas are Uh, Some of the most exciting ones as well when it comes to uh, cool new tech. So uh, I'm excited to see what that beckoning scooter future does look like in practice. So Tony Ho, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Real quick last thing that I want to ask. Mm Mm-hmm what are the variables that are still impacting the industry that you imagine will continue to shape the RoboScooter and its AI moving forward? Do you imagine there's going to be uh, any more economic variables, safety variables, uh, potentially infrastructure variables for the cities they're deployed in that will continue to shape the AI and the solution? What are your thoughts there? And uh, what do you imagine for the future of the RoboScooter?
1: Wow, there's, there's probably quite a few variables that's still sure unknown right so in, including essentially you know the the cost of all these you know ai related components they're still high so when can they gets really really smart but really really cheap like what we think about iPhones today so that's one one variable and the other variable i actually think it's going to be very very interesting is sort of the the entrepreneurial side of the, the industry and also the business model. I think there's still very interesting business model waited to be invented. So so this so-called so dockless free flow model is only the sort of the episode number one, I would like to call them. Uh, so there will be people coming up with ideas and probably in junction with the robotics technology offer uh, a different kind of service or, or maybe with different business model. Uh, which will benefit the consumer for sure, um, and uh, and also probably benefit the industry that uses it, like say food delivery, right? So we will see that's an, an a very interesting angle or sort of innovation way to way to happen. But you can never underestimate the, the entrepreneurial spirit of uh, the power of that. So there's there's actually many other variables I, I probably cannot. You know, exhaust all the all the all the the points. Yeah, of course, of course. But I I think one thing I do see is probably not an issue longer term. I I don't think the cities or the infrastructure will be a long term barrier because I see a lot of movement now. The cities uh, are really encouraging micromobility mobility movement and and they see the benefit of this especially post pandemic uh so you you see a, a big trend and the an inertia or the momentum is there you know for the cities and and the government to overcome that the initial inertia and uh and I think that's pretty certain in in, in my point of view so I'm very optimistic the infrastructure the the, the government support will be in there even though it's gradually, but it it will be there very, very soon. But there's still a lot of unknowns. So that's why it makes this whole industry so exciting.
0: Tony Ho, VP of Global Business Development for Segway. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Last Mile, a Segway podcast. Always love getting to chat with you, picking your brain on this stuff. Yeah. If folks want to uh, follow along with some of your insights outside of the podcast and get in contact with you potentially, what are some ways they can reach you?
1: Oh, you can write to me always, uh, anthony.ho at segway.com. Uh, I, I always answer my emails. And also LinkedIn. Uh, I have a LinkedIn page uh, under this, the same name and title. So uh, hope to see you
0: there. Tony Hope, thanks again. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of The Last Mile, a Segway podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's the place where you're going to get a full catalog of our previous episodes as well as pings when we get upcoming episodes uploaded on there. You can also go to our website, poweredby.segway.com, for more information on our B2B solutions and services. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.